What is up, internets? Welcome to the Randy King Live Debate Podcast, episode 33. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the show. Today we have another, of course, amazing guest, another person from the catalog of cool humans I've got to meet on my travels. But of course, as always, before we get to the lovely person on the other side of the screen, we're going to do a quick walkout of the show. So, if you haven't heard the show before, maybe you're a fan of Kaya's and you have no idea who I am and you're just listening to support Kaya, I need you to understand the rules of the show. So this is a debate-based podcast. So what I mean by that is we have decided ahead of time a topic. Then we decided what side of that topic we're going to take. And myself and Kaya are going to debate our topic, not our opinions, feelings, or thoughts about this area. So a lot of people that hear debate, they use the word argument as a synonym. This is not an argument. There will be no emotion based in this. It's just us trying to debate a point. And the purpose of the show is we are covering very common hot button topics in the self-defense community and the martial arts community. And I want you to understand that we can have a regular conversation about these things without hating each other. A lot of people on the internet, if you don't agree with everything that I say, so if we agree with 90% of stuff and the other 10% we don't, then people stop talking to each other. And that's just not a great way for things to get found. So the goal of the show, um, which is episode 33, so if you haven't heard any before, please feel free to jump back, uh, is to have these conversations with people who are intelligent and articulate and able to have these talks without losing their mind and blocking each other on Facebook and all the social media drama that happens. So there's a couple of rules to the show. So rule number one is we start as friends, we leave as friends. I'm boldly saying me and Kai are friends. We've met a few times. So I'll say we are friends for the internet. We should get edit that out and be like, I actually hate this guy, which is also fine. <laughs> um, but we, uh, so we start as friends, we leave as friends. So what I mean by that is the, at any point in time, if the debate gets too heated, we're going to pull it back. There is no place for that on the show. But again, with the rules in place, it doesn't happen. The second thing is I sent ahead of time 15 logic fallacies for the uh, for each of us to use that keep us within the rules of the debate. So if you want to know what those 15 fallacies are, please feel free to listen to our most listened episode, episode one, where I walk out each one of these fallacies for you, the listener. Now, it's kind of cool. If one of us gets caught in the fallacy, we have to take a page out of the great Rory Miller's book, take a deep breath, apologize for using the fallacy, and then I like to toss a little compliment across the screen. So, Kaya, I'm sorry for using a straw man debate. I love the cover of your book behind you, which we'll talk about later. Okay, so then I throw a compliment, we're good to go, and then I secede my turn, and then uh, Kaya or whomever the guest is will then get their option to keep coming at me with whatever point they were already on. Uh, with all that in mind, if you want to hear our actual thoughts, and our actual theories on this, feel free to jump onto the final thoughts. Unfortunately, those only exist on Patreon, so it's five US dollars a month, but every single episode has a final thoughts to it where we discuss our actual thoughts, feelings, topics. We talk about the debate, if we had fun, when you were on the ropes. It's a really cool little extra portion. It's usually about 20 minutes, so you get two podcasts with it. One in the debate and one with the actual feelings. Listeners, if you catch us in one of the logic fallacies that we didn't catch because maybe we're not very versed in them or because we're so heated and we're in this like the, the, the trenches here. If you catch us in something that we didn't catch and you send me a message with the minute it occurred in the episode, if I can't debate my way out of it, so it's a legit fallacy, I can't work this out as Paul Donnelly learned because he almost got me. 
I will promote whatever you want me to promote on all of my social media platforms, which gives you a pretty decent reach of whatever you're doing. So listen to the show. Pay attention. Look for the, the fallacies, and uh, hopefully you have a great time listening to this. So enough about me. Nobody cares about me. I'm just the guy who does the devil's advocate side. Kaya, why don't you tell them, the listeners, a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Uh, so hi, everyone. My name is Kaya Sadowski. I am one of the owners of Valkyrie Western Martial Arts Assembly in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I have been teaching people various physical skills for like 15 years, and I've been doing martial arts for about a decade now. Uh, I teach historical sword fighting. I teach knife fighting, grappling, and striking, and I also teach self-defense. Uh, and last year I published my first book, which is about community and culture building in martial arts. Awesome. Uh, and I met Randy when we brought Violent Dynamics to Vancouver back in 2017. Was that 2017? Time is going by so freaking fast. That, that, I can't believe that was so long ago already. Anyway, yeah, that's, it's insane. Cool. So uh, you'll hear more about Kaya at the end of the show. We'll promote the book. We'll tell you where to get it. We'll link all the social media and stuff. Obviously, if they're on the show, follow them. They have a great opinion. And I've been following Kaya for a bit. Uh, I actually met her right before BioDi. We came in earlier to chat. And uh, it's been great. And all the stuff that she's putting out there is amazing. You've probably seen me share some of her articles already. So now hopefully you can put a face to the name if you haven't. Because talking to savages when you were on it is only audio. So the topic we've decided on today is a pretty big one in the community. And actually, hilariously, my editor sent me this exact topic as like a walkabout video. So I'm gonna release it in tandem with this. Uh, the topic we chose is, can you teach self-defense in a day? What side of this are you taking? Uh, so I am taking the yes side. Awesome, so I am taking the no side because that's how the show works. And also, as I mentioned to Kaya before, and again, if this is your first time listening to the show, the guest always gets to set the parameters of the battle. So uh, Kaya is going to get the first four minutes of this up to the first four minutes of the debate. Take as much time as you want. We had to put a limit on it because we had a comedian on it who talked like five. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I got to, okay, it's only a 20 minute show. So uh, we're going to start that up right now. Kaya, are you ready? Sure, why not? Sure, why? May as well. We're on, we're recording. We may as well do it. Yeah. All right. So uh, from the top, you uh, pro, you can teach self defense in a day. Go. All right. Uh, so the definition of teach that I'm going with here is Whoa. give somebody enough actionable information that it's something they can actually use in their lives. Um, obviously, you cannot give somebody mastery of an entire domain in a day. That would be ludicrous. Um, but can you teach somebody enough self-defense that it's actually something that makes them safer rather than putting them in more danger because they think they know more than they do? Um, so here, I think, is a place where self-defense has a really, really big advantage over martial arts. Um, because in martial arts, especially the kind of martial arts I teach, because I do a lot of historical sword play, uh, when you have a new student coming in, there is no assumption of baseline knowledge, right? When somebody comes into my classroom, they pick up a sword, I assume they're doing that for the first time in their lives. I assume they don't have a baseline skill set that they're kind of bringing to it. I have to teach them everything from scratch. Uh, and because martial arts involve a lot of complex physical skills, that takes a while to get you to any point where it's useful. Uh, and I think that's the case for a lot of arts outside of mine. The thing about self-defense is that it's like 20% physical skills, uh, and the rest of it is 
cognitive stuff, decision making, and uh, social skills. And I have not had a single student walk into my classroom that didn't already have a foundation in a lot of the stuff that we teach in self-defense. Uh, you know, pretty much every woman that I've ever met already has a really good baseline ability to identify predators, to notice that they are in an unsafe situation or to otherwise identify threats. And they already have some baseline uh, de-escalation skills because they've been using them their entire lives. They just don't necessarily know what they are. A lot of the dudes I, I talk to know exactly what a social site is when they see it. As soon as you start describing something like a monkey dance, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, that thing. Um, so everybody that's coming into a self-defense classroom is starting with a foundation of knowledge that you can use and you can leverage. And I find that a really big chunk of my job when I'm teaching self-defense is not necessarily going, hey, here's all of this information that you never had before and that is completely new to you, but making people aware of all of the stuff they already know, all of the stuff that they already do, filling in the gaps in their knowledge, and then empowering them to actually go and use it and giving them a framework for making decisions with the skills they already have. Um, and I think that that is something that is absolutely doable in a day. So uh, if I had a day to teach self-defense, because... I guess I should like put my money where my mouth is on this. <laughs> uh, biggest thing that I would have to start everybody off with is the legal context, because obviously that's a really fundamental part of self-defense. Um, and we live in Canada. The laws here are relatively simple. So that's something that we can cover even with a fair amount of nuance in about an hour. After that, you want to make sure that people understand uh, or have decent observation skills, that they can see problems coming, that they can identify threats, that they can identify dangerous places, they can identify dangerous situations, uh, and that they can start to actually listen to those gut reactions that they already have. Again, relatively easy peasy. A lot of that work is making sure that people are actually listening to the things that they already know how to do or giving them a language to articulate what they're feeling. Um, Understanding violence, talking about violence dynamics, all of that good stuff. Again, a lot of that is just giving people a framework for their understanding of the world, giving them some specific language that they can use to communicate that understanding to others in like a legal context or a follow-up. Hey, I got to stop you. That's, That's four minutes. That's four minutes for your entry. Sorry about that. I just got to get in here. So That's uh, good. I'm taking the counterpoint of this, and I'm actually going to say, exactly the opposite of everything you just said so <laughs> which is which is hilarious so uh number one um i did for the show i disagree with the assessment that um the people uh have the base knowledge in these skills they have the base knowledge in their tribes and circles but they don't have the cross-cultural knowledge that is required when somebody breaks out of that bubble so if somebody is if I'm Billy Country Club and all of a sudden somebody flashes a gang sign at me, I'm not going to know that. So my, the, the evidence that I have works against the people around me, but it won't work cross-culturally. So that's one of the issues. The next thing is self-defense is one of the only places that even as an instructor, we can't give the totality of the situation. When you're teaching sword, you can give the totality. These are the rules. This is what we do. This is the dynamics. So even if they walked with no foundation, they get a foundation exceptionally quickly. 
This is how we line up. This is where you grab the sword. This is what we do. With self-defense, you just you ethically can't say that because we don't know the position, we don't know the situation, we don't know the culture that's affected. And when I mean culture, I don't mean just like ethnicity. I mean like uh, subcultures, etc. We don't know any of that stuff, and we don't know the threat profile or the threat markers these people have. So it's almost impossible to give a course, especially in such a short time, that covers all of that. Richard. Um. So the thing is, is that when we actually deliver courses, yes. it's not like we're dealing with a huge cross-section of people from all over the world coming from completely different contexts who have absolutely nothing in common with each other, right? If nothing True. else, courses are geographically constrained. Right. Uh, the people that come into, say, my martial arts school are all people that live within, you know, commuting distance of East Vancouver uh, because my school uh, has a certain profile, uh, certain demographics come in. A lot of them are coming from similar backgrounds. I get a lot of women. I get a lot of queer and trans people. I get a lot of folk with fairly similar life experiences. So yeah, I don't, you know, I can't immediately build a context for absolutely everybody. And I've definitely run into situations where there was one person in the room who was like, I don't understand any of this. Uh, but that's relatively rare and, rare and the way that classes self-select into people that are all coming from a similar place means that you can shortcut a lot of that stuff to get to a place where you're giving people something at least useful in that day. Um, and I feel like going, well, we can't know the full context, the full situation, the full everything people are working with is edging a little bit close to a slippery slope fallacy in the, oh, maybe not. But like, uh, regardless of calling you out, I think the thing with self-defense is that we never know, right? Yeah. It's not like we're coaching somebody through a boxing match. We are never going to be there with the person. We're never going to have be able to give them perfect knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and if we set giving them perfect knowledge as our baseline, then we're kind of arguing that you can't teach self-defense at all. Um, Which I'm okay I think with. If you <laughs> That's it. Uh, and you can argue. You can argue that if you want to. Uh, that makes your living real interesting, friendo. Uh, That's not about me. It's about my point. That's the show. <laughs> I kid. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, that was good. You distracted me. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um, I can Decision making, problem solving, right? Um. Because we can't ever give people perfect knowledge of what's going on, the way that I look at teaching self-defense is at giving people a decision-making and problem-solving framework that lets them use the tools they have available to them already in their own environment. Uh, because it doesn't matter if I teach somebody amazing things to do with a knife if they literally never carry them, right? Um, and I do think that in a day you can build a pretty clear assessment of, okay, what do people generally have available and how can they use those things in a range of situations? Um, so courses teaching naturally constrains us to what people already bring to the table. And I think we're better teachers if we focus on that. So I'm going to disagree again, because the point of the show. Uh, so we're going to take your personal experience out of this because that's not what we're debating. We're not debating your classes, your <laughs> course. So I, while I agree with the self-selecting, I'm going to disagree because I teach courses in places where the people don't self-select themselves. They are they are issued to do the course, which now switches the dynamics uh, pretty considerably. So yes, I can't I can't disagree that if somebody comes like you, you're going to attract the students that need you. That's kind of how it works. Your demographic, etc. But 
we're talking about teaching self-defense courses in general, not us teaching self-defense courses. So if you had a group of random rigmarole selected people in that place, I don't think you could in a day address, because self-defense is about the client, it's not really about a system. And the only way to address a rigmarole is a martial arts system, right? Like, okay, so everybody has to be the same things. We can't, I don't want to say ethically because it makes it seem like you're evil, but you know what I mean? We, I can't, <laughs> we can't in good, it's, it's very hard to say that in a day we can teach this random sample of people. You live in Vancouver, so yes, but you, yes, you have your pull, but also Vancouver's a very multi multicultural city it's with very multicultural issues, with very multicultural situations happening through all these different tells and body languages and cultures and cues. So if you're not pulling through demographic, if you have to, if you're dropped into a class and you got to teach the people there, I don't think a day is enough time to get an assessment of what they need and then give them the tools to work from that. There's already a counter there. I heard it, but I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think that part of what we're getting uh, a little bit stuck on is like, whether teaching involves imparting people information like, hey, buddy, this is what the gang signs mean. Hey, this is how you recognize this stuff. Um, and how much of it is giving people the tools to figure shit out for themselves. Um, because I'm never going to be able to keep up with all of the, you know, pre-assault cues that happen in places that I don't routinely go or all of the gang size in a neighborhood that I've visited once or any of that stuff. It's not my job to give people a list of 40 things that they need to memorize. And if you know these things, then you'll be safe. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, what I need to do is teach them what kinds of things to look at, teach them how to start reading people's body language, teach them how to start paying attention to how people maneuver around each other in groups talk about the kinds of symbols that they should pay attention to. Like, hey, if you see the same graffiti popping up in the same place over and over, maybe you should investigate what that means. Those are things that you can absolutely teach in a short period of time, and they actually give people better skills. Because that list of 40 things to memorize is going to change in a month, and the knowledge is going to be fucking out of date. Uh, whereas if you've given people a basic critical thinking skill set and just pointed it in the right direction, they're going to keep learning and they're going to keep growing for the rest of their lives. And they're going to get way better at this than they otherwise would. I, so if you want to be a good teacher and if you want to do it ethically, yeah. you're actually getting out of a lot of the problem of, oh, but I don't know all of the things. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. And I'm going to use exactly what you said against you. That's the whole point of the show. So wouldn't wouldn't they wouldn't it be better for them to go to a critical thinking course or a mindfulness course or an acting class as opposed to investing in self-defense? Uh, in all honesty, all of those would fucking help. Yeah, um, right? So go ahead. So remember how I said that uh, self-defense is 20% physical skills? Yes. That's still kind of important. Okay. Um, and I think the biggest thing that we as self-defense instructors, instructors specifically can offer is getting people to apply their critical thinking, getting people to apply their uh, problem solving in very stressful, physically dangerous situations. Um, and if we're able to teach people, honestly, really basic stuff, target selection and power generation, and then some stress management skills and actually put them in a, in repeated situations where they have to apply that, where they have to practice it under pressure and where they can give themselves permission to actually take physical action. Um, 
we're giving them that last fundamental component that they really can't get anywhere else. They can get in a regular martial arts class or a sports competition class. No, I can't. They can what get you the said, stress uh, part. Yes, they. Yeah. What's but what your definition was? They could definitely. Okay, but what you said, what you said earlier, though, you were talking about how martial arts is a really constrained context. You were talking about how it has rules. You were talking I about agree. how really precisely align that, and that, that changes the nature of the stress. So it but, means it's not the same thing. But I agree. But you're shifting your values as well. So you went from eighty percent educational, jumped it back to twenty percent physical skills. I'm saying. You could take an acting class and jump in a cage and get all the things you said the physical skills give you in that sport context. Working under pressure, targeting, power generation. You're not going to get it today, which is the point of the debate. <laughs> but but I think you could if you could go take a mindfulness class and then learn how to do any kind of physical skill, wrestling, any sort of skill, I think that might even be better than a one-day self-defense class. I'm sorry, that, of course that's going to be. I mean, the benefit of... There's no need to take that one-day self-defense class. We can get these things in other places instead of just this one context. I'm not being clear, but go ahead. Well, I think at this point you're starting to argue whether one-day self-defense classes are better than things that have much more resources and time available to them. Well, what I'm debating is can you teach self-defense in one day, and I'm not hearing that you can. That's what I'm saying, right? That's the whole point of Fair. the debate. Yeah. Uh so the thing about, like, yeah, you can, you can cobble together eight different things into a reasonable facsimile of a self-defense course, but somebody who actually teaches self-defense can take all of that shit, distill it down into its most essential features, and actually pull them together in a useful way, uh, in a way that students can internalize and understand and actually start using. And I think that is a specific skill set that a lot of good self-defense instructors I know have. Uh, and especially because of the nature of our job, because we so often get brought in to teach in, you know, like we go do workplace self-defense courses or we do uh, one day, like we do one day workshops all the goddamn time. Doesn't mean they're this right. This is a thing. No, but it, <laughs> not necessarily, but I would like to think that at least some of us are ethical people. And if we didn't believe that we could actually do this shit, we wouldn't be doing it. But what do I know? I'm uh, no, no, settle down. So I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm not attacking an ethical position. I'm saying oh, is, the, is the course effective or not effective? That's all we're debating here. And so yes, the people that do do it, I'm sure they believe in it. That's not here nor there for the debate. Go ahead. Yeah. That's a straw man. Um, you're, you're attacking me the straw man a little bit. Uh, the argument that I was trying to make, uh, and uh, it was a little unclear, I'll admit, sure. uh, is that first of all. Um, the the pressures of what we do and the fact that this is something that we end up doing on a regular basis as self-defense instructors in general is likely to give us the skill set to actually be able to do this and deliver this well, right? It's a practice makes perfect kind of deal. If you do this all the time, you figure out how to fucking make it work. Um, and yeah, that was that was really the big thing is we got to surely somebody's figure out how to do it right. Sure. And I, again, I can't disagree with that. So what I'm hearing, so you said, instead of just cobbling something together, you want a self-defense course, but self-defense courses are cobbling things together. So you're debating the skill of the cobbler is very important <laughs> in order to make the self-defense work. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like my, my argument is not any idiot can right, teach yeah. self-defense sure, today. In a day. And but is it, is it theoretically possible to teach self-defense in a day? Yeah, if you're good enough. 
So skill, I like how that skill of the cobbler is my new favorite thing to say. Uh, skill of the <laughs> cobbler is very important. That was really fun. All right, so going back then, so I, I'm still obviously, so we have about three minutes left. So let's get to kind of a closing statement thing. And then please listen to the final thoughts. I don't believe 90% of the stuff that I'm saying right now, just heads up, I'm just <laughs> doing the show. Please don't think this is me. Uh, I teach one day classes. So, uh, but going back, going back to the top of this, um, I'm really enjoying how painful this is for you. It's, it's, this is my favorite part. I love thinking around around this stuff. So uh, then now, so now that I said that, I got to go back. I got to stick, stick say in the pocket of what I was saying. So uh, a one day course in. So the, we'll do closing here. So in my opinion, a one day course for the debate is ineffectual authentically. It just you can't without a survey ahead of time. And maybe you could do that for the course. If you're just dropped into a group of people, a one-day course will will just do a great job of either scaring the crap out of people or reinforcing people's beliefs. Nobody's really going to grow from that. If the class is specifically made, possibly. But if we just take it straight across the board, one-day class, you don't know the client, so a, a scientific experiment, not uh, my own demographic. You can't know their realities enough, and I don't think you can give the personal attention that's needed for self-defense. Self-defense is about them, not about the system. Your turn. Cool. Uh, and I think that a day is plenty for teaching self-defense if you actually focus on teaching it the right way. Uh, if you give people a context for thinking in, if you make them aware of the tools that they already have available to them, and if you help them build decision-making and problem-solving frameworks and then give them lots and lots of practice applying them. You do the first part in a couple of hours and then you've got the whole afternoon to make them practice up to and including putting them under stress and i think they're going to walk out of there with some very legit capabilities that make them way way safer than they ever were before awesome well and that ends the free portion of the debate thank goodness that was hard for me uh so <laughs> uh so and the final thoughts were definitely going to be pointing out that i do teach one day classes so and i do think they're effective obviously but before we get to that number one thank you so much for being on the show i think this was the most passionate because you're a passionate person that we've had the show which was awesome um but look yeah. we're still smiling we're still talking so that's great that's the point of the show people <laughs> um why don't you tell everybody where they can get a hold of you and your book and just do the promo train right yeah okay uh, so my school, once again, is Valkyrie Western Martial Arts Assembly. You can find us at the, on the internet at valkyriemartialarts.com. Uh, I also do my own blogging and independent teaching at kayaswords.com or Kaya's Words if you want to be a nerd. Um, and this is my book yeah. called... Fear is the Mind Killer, How to Build a Training Culture that Fosters Strength and Resilience. Uh, and it's about building community and training culture in your martial arts or your self-defense school and setting people up to actually learn what you're teaching. Uh, it is on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. You can order it from your friendly local bookstore. You can find it pretty much anywhere, and you should buy it. It's great. Rory Miller liked it. Yeah, and actually, I've heard... <laughs> So, so you didn't you don't listen to the show. I haven't read your book, so we're cool here. Uh, but I've heard nothing. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Like every, so I own it. I own the book, mm -hmm. and it didn't get burnt in the fire. It was at the gym. So I Yay! still actually <laughs> own the book, which is nice. It is on my list to read on my next trip, which is coming up in two weeks. Uh, two weeks from today, not two weeks from when the show comes out. But uh, yeah, so I I recommend it as well. I but third party, I'm sure it's amazing. Everybody who's read it, like I think. At least six people, I, I really uh, believe their opinion, recommended it to me. 
and I already had it. I just haven't got to it yet. So yeah, so it's obviously a really good book. I'm excited to read it. There was a actual talk about battle thoughts. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us on the Randy King Live debate podcast. Remember, this was free. Uh, there is a paid version. This is why this show is more consistent than talking to savages. I get paid for this show. So people on Patreon, it's only five bucks to you. It's the world to me. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, join us on Final Thoughts, or we'll talk to you next week.